But they love playing this game with, with newbies. What they'll do is they'll pull a gun out, point it at you, and see how you react. But obviously, the, the correct response, and how I played at the time, was to just look at them and go, what are you doing? I'm here to drink. Put it away. No one wants to get hurt here. Come on, buddy. Welcome to Not So Bon Voyage, the podcast all about when shit goes wrong on the road, and the very first episode of our Voyager Chat series, where we interview travelers about their wildest travel stories. We are your hosts, I'm Jules. And I'm Christine. And you just heard from our guest on the show today, Michael Hilliard. Michael has been a journalist for over 10 years, reporting from some of the craziest places around the world, including war zones. Today, he's diving into some of his best stories, like getting drunk with the Taliban, having a gun pulled on him by the Russian mafia, and a lot more. These are some of the most insane travel stories we've ever heard. So let's get into it. Thank you so much for coming on, Michael. Why don't you kick it off by telling the Voyagers a little bit about who you are and what you do? So, uh, hi guys, great to be on the show. Uh, my name is Michael. I run the Redline Podcast, which is a deep dive geopolitical podcast. So we do big stories that are affecting the globe with big experts from you know the CIA and Harvard and whatnot. But for what I do, I end up uh, doing a lot of geopolitical writing, uh, and I have to go overseas quite a lot for that. So, but I travel to quite a lot of war zones, you know, Iran, Ukraine, uh, you know, Kyrgyzstan, Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan. Uh, pretty much if there's cheap vodka and bullets in the wall, I've probably been there at this point. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> Great. And uh, yeah, so you've been working as a journalism for a journalist for over 10 years? Yeah, yeah. Originally, I was, I was a music journalist of all things, you know, writing and interviewing bands. But yeah, it's been a bit of a shift. And now I uh, mostly run on geopolitics and uh, foreign policy. And you're a fellow Aussie. We always like to connect with uh, other Aussies. You're in, where are you at at the moment? I'm in the West Coast. I'm, uh, I'm in Perth. So that a very, very isolated city, which for your American listeners is sort of between where I live and the nearest capital city would be probably LA to Louisiana away. So it's an absolute, you know, I'm in the middle. I'm literally two kilometers from the middle of nowhere at this point. Oh, well, that sounds like a good place to be in isolation. Yeah, it's probably the best place to be at the moment. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm a, I'm a Melbourne man, so I won't hold that against you. Uh, we do things differently on the East Coast, but haven't spent too much time in Australia over the last few years, as, I'm, as it sounds like you also uh, don't either. No, I spent, you know, I'm definitely based here, but uh, yeah, spent quite a lot of time overseas and, and traveling around. But this, you know, it's nice to come back to the uh, decent weather and uh, everything you have with Perth. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're going to jump straight into it, and because we know you've got some crazy stories to talk about today, we're going to warm up first before we jump into the main stories with just a couple of quick questions just to get us loose, get us started. So we wanted to ask you, you know, I'm sure everybody always gets asked the same questions all the time. What's your favorite country? What's your favorite thing? Mm -hmm. We're going to do things a little bit differently. We talk at Not So Bon Voyage about all the times when shit goes wrong on the road, all the crazy stories. So we've got a little bit of a different spiel on the questions. So the first one is, what is the worst thing you've ever eaten? So I'm not I'm not a big fan of milk. I'm just not. I don't drink a lot of milk. And um, yeah, so I was traveling through Mongolia at the time, and we end up meeting this colonel there who we were interviewing and having a chat with. And then he's like, "Oh, my mum runs a, a horse breeding farm out in the National Park. You know, we should go check it out, and I'll, I'll take you for a ride." I went, "Yeah, that sounds great. Let's go." So we ended up going out to this in the middle of the National Park in Mongolia and, and riding horses for the afternoon, and then he came back to his mother's house. And his mother was this beautifully lovely old, old lady who was about four foot one, if if maybe. Uh, and she had, brings in these cookies and they're great. And then she brings in this this glasses of milk. And I went, oh, okay, cool. Well, it's you know I'm going to be polite and drink the milk. I don't like milk, but sure. 
And then I put it, I picked it up and it was boiling hot. And I went, okay, that's weird, but whatever, it's fine. (laughs) And then I drank it and it was just this, like it was almost curdling. It was, and it was salty. Like it felt like someone had put like four tablespoons of salt in it. And I almost spat it. it wasn't a dip. I hope you sure it was a different kind of horse. Oh, I milk? hope to God not. <laughs> um, yeah. So I ended up drinking it and then kind of looking at her and going, <clears throat> what sort of milk is this? And he goes, oh, it's, it's horse milk. And I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, and, and then I finished my glass just out of sheer politeness, trying not to, uh, you know, chuck my guts up. And then uh, she came out with a second one and I've never cried. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've never cried before, but that's pretty close to, to getting that point. <laughs> That's the thing about being polite when you, you know, uh, get offered food or drinks or something, you try to finish it, but then they think you really like it. So they serve you more. And then you're kind of stuck in this loop of just having to finish everything they have, basically. Oh, yeah. Yeah, It's like a real it's it's like a cultural thing. Like some cultures, you know, if you leave a little bit, then it's like then they know it's okay. Some cultures, you know, if you don't finish it, they'll give you more. It's yeah. 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 It's tough. Well, apparently. Okay, next. I was going to say, apparently Sorry, they, can, they can offer to ferment it if you need to as well. They just plaster it with alcohol to make it more bearable. Uh, I think I, if I had right. that offer, I might have taken it. That's probably the better way to do that. I've never even heard of horse milk. I really, yeah, you're pretty brave for giving that a try. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, next question. What has been your least favorite country? I mean, every country has good and bad aspects. Um, you know, there's some countries I've had to leave very quickly, but I'd say Switzerland, I, I never really got a vibe from. Um, the people there are, are, are fine, uh, but there's just, it felt, you know, it kind of felt very much like Luxembourg. It was this kind of, uh, if you're there to do business, fantastic. If you're not, well, get your toddler around and get back over the border to France at this point. Yeah. Get your chocolate. Not enough bullets for you in Switzerland. Yeah, <laughs> too, yeah no army, isn't it? You know? Not exciting enough. Yeah, not too neutral. <laughs> you know, I had to pay more than $8 for a hotel room. What is this? This is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. ridiculous. Pick a side. Exactly. Something <laughs> such pussies. All right. What, what's the most overrated landmark or attraction you've ever seen? I think, I think obviously the the big one everyone gets you know uh, boggled with is the Mona Lisa. You know you build up the Mona Lisa mm. this big you know thing in your mind. There's going to be this amazing thing, and you go out there and you go, ah, okay, it's like an A4 sheet. It's very very small. Um, yeah. After you know hours of fighting crowds and getting around there, but yeah, that's always always a bit of a ah, oh, okay, well, cool, and then you you move on. Um, but yeah, I think that was that was the one I kind of had this big picture in my mind of what it would be it didn't end up being that i've never been there and i didn't know that until recently and i would be so disappointed if i went there and lined up and then saw how small it was i couldn't believe it when i found out yeah it's pretty tiny yeah it's unlike a unlike the Mona Lisa we have here which is like a big picture it's about a six foot foot Huge frame. We have a, a Mona Lisa print in our house that we inherited a, from somewhere, and it is gigantic. So, if anybody wants to come to our house instead of the Louvre, they can see the bigger Mona Lisa here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Plus, there's this, always this huge crowd in front of it. I've been to the Louvre, I think, twice now, and there's always this giant crowd in front of it. So, you end up looking at this A4 sheet from like 20 meters back behind bulletproof glass. It's a, uh, yeah, it's a bit, yeah, it's a bit yeah. Of a, yeah, when you get there. Sounds, sounds awesome. You need to bring your binoculars. Okay. Worst place you've ever slept on your travels? Whoa. So the worst place I, I ever slept back when I was in a touring band and, and touring the country and doing that kind of nonsense. I was about 22 or 21 or whatever it was. 
um, we had this we had this festival or something we were playing in Sydney and we ended up booking accommodation but it fell through. So we end up like kind of about to fly out and we went, well, boys, we got a budget of like, you know, 200 bucks for the entire thing. Let's go on Airbnb and find the cheapest Airbnb we possibly can. And then we did. So we end up going in this terrible, terrible room that as soon as we opened the door from this Russian landlord who was, you know, he probably was going to sell my organs if, if we hadn't been polite. Um, <laughs> we get to this room that smelled, there was, so, there was probably a dead body somewhere in the room. We couldn't be by the smell. Uh, the fridge was moldy. The the shower was a hose that came out of the wall. Um, you know, it, yikes! Yet it, it leaked onto the uh, washing machine. Uh, and when you ask the guys, like, "Hey, can we shower without getting these?" Like, make sure you don't have powder on. If you put the powder on, you get zip. It's no problem. <laughs> um, oh my gosh! Yeah, that. And then, but there was four of us in the band, and there was what uh, two beds. So he kind of, I asked him where the fourth bed is. Like, if you put if you put towels on the floor, it's no problem. You just lay on towels, <laughs> um, or, or your spoon. <laughs> yeah, and then there, even the master bed was just covered in in um, you know male liquids is the way I put it but the worst bit is it was next uh. to a brothel we found out at night <gasps> so you could just hear you know the uh, yeah moans and screams all night as it went on so that was probably the worst 200 bucks I've ever spent on accommodation a bit of horse milk on the sheets <laughs> <laughs> oh that hurts yep yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I mean, I guess that's kind of rock and roll, though, staying in the dirty Airbnb. Yeah. Getting rocked to sleep by someone banging next door. Yeah. Yeah, but you can't, you know, if you want to, you know, hey, hey, girl, do you want to come back to our hotel room after the show? <laughs> it smells like a dead body. Um, it's probably not a, not a great way to open that conversation up. <laughs> yeah. How do you feel not. about horse milk? <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. And last one Have you ever pooped your pants while traveling? I haven't personally, but I have been in the room when it's happened a couple of times. Oh. Uh, I remember being oh. a, we were traveling through Estonia at the time, and we ended up going out with these Estonian guys and, and having a really big night in Tallinn. Uh, and sort of two bunk beds across from me, one of the guys that he was like, oh, I'm not going to drink. I went, oh, come on, man. You're having a good night. Come on out. Then I remember one of my buddies who I met there, some this Kiwi guy, end up waking up with this absolute blood-curdling scream because a guy above him had, had soiled himself and it dripped through the mattress <gasps> onto him. Oh, God. And he'd no. woken up to this, this drip, drip, drip on him and he you know, woke up oh. and the smell was absolutely abhorrent, but we're all far too sick to really do anything. Uh, I kind of woke up, heard the screams and the smell and went, oh, I'm going to need another hour of sleep before I can deal with this. <laughs> Yeah, so that is disgusting. Put the raincoat on and just close the eyes for another hour. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It Ooh. was. This Ooh. is not. This is pretty bad. Yeah, I definitely rolled over and cried a little bit. Wow, that, that is brutal. Is brutal. Oh, I, I feel like that image is going to be in my head for a while. I'm going to hear some other stories to get that out. Yeah. Um, okay, well, thank you so much for that. I feel like there were already so many amazing stories just in our rapid-fire questions. So you've obviously had a lot of insane experiences around the world. We're warmed up. We're warmed up now. <laughs> yeah, so now that we're warmed up, let's get straight into your stories. Just feel free to um, start with whatever you want, and we are all ears. Okay, uh, well, uh, so obviously there's lots of places I've been and lots of times where you know it's been a bit hairier than others. Uh, I think probably one of the hairiest times we had is we were in Kyrgyzstan at the time which is kind of in between Kazakhstan Tajikistan and, and China we're doing sort of uh, some stories out there and we end up 
again, horse riding of all things, um, because it's, it's a very horsey country. You know, they, they, everything's mm. about horses. Effectively, they are diet Mongols, effectively, um, mm. to ne- offend an entire country by calling them diet Mongols. Um, and we ended up going out to this up the mountain in, uh, into this horse farm and meeting this, this, uh, this guy out there who was like, oh, we'll, we'll go for a ride down the valley, it'll be fine. Um, and we end up riding down this valley, and it's you know it's negative twenty. There's it's snowing. It's it's cold. And we're like, oh, okay, this is fine. And then we rode past these army trucks, uh, and the army trucks are kind of sitting there. And we're oh well, that's not particularly weird for an ex-Soviet. Uh, and then two o'clock hits, and the machine guns open up, and the artillery opens up, and we'd actually ridden into this proving ground uh, for the Kyrgyzstan uh, military. Uh, and effectively, they were yeah, right. shelling us, which was <laughs> absolutely terrifying um, because I'm oh not a horse God. rider at all. I think I've ridden two horses twice in the last decade, uh, and I had to quickly gallop out of this war zone with the horse losing its mind with my poor girlfriend on you know, another horse and this uh, little little Kyrgyz, uh, Kyrgyz man, you know, freaking out as well, oh riding God. out of the valley. And we made it out with the machine guns going. And it does it sounds exactly like Call of Duty. That's the first thing I took away from it. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm getting back to the, the stables and just without even a word between the three of us, this guy just pulls a bottle of vodka out and goes, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we made it. We made it. We had it. to drink through that one. <laughs> so that was that was always wow. fun. That yeah. is insane. So the your local tour guide didn't realize that you would be riding right through that. No, effectively they were doing this big military operation. Um, you know, practice top secret. Yeah, and no one realized. I mean, we should have been. I should have been smarter to realize the. Uh, you know, the troops were uh, around the place. Uh, but yeah, it yeah. was it was pretty crazy at the time. It also drank a whole bottle of vodka before the ride, so it kind of slipped, <laughs> probably slipped his mind as well. That stage. That's it. Sounds about right for that region. Now you've got you sent us through a, a list of dot point of stories, and some of them I'm just going to read out some topics. You can you can go for whatever one you want to talk about next. Yeah, yeah, cool. I've got drank with the Taliban in Uzbekistan. Yep. I've, I've got asked to give him a drunken toast, which is always good fun in Kazakhstan. Yeah, that was a gun. That was terrifying. That one. Um, a gun pulled on me by Russian mafia. I mean, which one do you want to go? I mean, I could just list them, but you you choose which one you want to talk about. Oh, next. we can go with it with any of them. So we ended up in Uzbekistan. Uh, I stayed. There's not many hotels because they've only just opened up their borders. You know, Karimov died, and they kind of leaving this hermit king status. Uh, so when you know, even when we left the country, they you know, my girlfriend we got stuck at customs because they had to figure out what to do with an Australian. Uh, they had to get this big brown book with four of them going. I don't think we have to arrest you. And I went, oh, thanks, cool. I'd rather not. <laughs> um, but yeah, we ended up meeting with this. You know this. Uh, you know, staying at this this dingy little place, and there was this kind of uh, Middle Eastern uh, guy living in the in the apartment with his minder. He was almost like a PA with him as well. I went, oh, that's weird. But you know, I asked his PA a few questions, and nothing added up. And I went, yeah, that's weird. And I said to my girlfriend, I, I get the feeling he's he's up to something. He's he's somewhere here. So. We were chatting with uh, with him. I was chatting with him out the front of the place, and he's you know talking about uh, you know, bars and, and stuff here. And I went, oh well, I know this great bar in, in the city that's really good, and the girls are great and stuff. And he went, oh okay, cool, cool, cool. But I knew that bar only lets you in if you speak Russian because I had a plan up my sleeve. Um, so I waited till he left at ten o'clock because he was staying uh, just below me, uh, and then sort of left fifteen minutes after him because uh, I couldn't get in touch with his. Uh, with the guy he was protecting. I was like, okay, that's interesting. 
Um, so we got to this bar and draw is, you know, as exactly as, as we thought would happen. He was stuck out the front of the bar, you know, you know the two of them were stuck there and I walked up and, and switched to Russian, uh, and got us and, you know, he's like, Oh, well, if you can, you can come in, your friends can come in. Went, oh, these two, you know, these two Afghanistani guys there, they can come with me. They're my friends. This Bill and John, I didn't, didn't know the names at the time got in and, you know, he's like, thank you so much. You know, how can I repay? He's like, oh, I have a drink with me, you know, just interested to have a chat. Uh, and then we got chatting and he you know, was like, Hey, what do you do for work? He's like, oh, I'm studying film. I went, no, I don't think you are. I went, Oh, I'm so, you know, <laughs> I, used, I used to shoot commercials as well. What's your favorite camera? He's like, I do not know cameras. I was like, okay, so you don't study film. Um, and then a few, you know, when you get to an Uzbekistan bar, a, a shot of vodka will be the equivalent of sort of, uh, about $2, oh, two three dollars american uh but to buy the entire bottle is about four dollars american so you just buy six bottles across the bar um and yeah line them up oh you just line them up and you you, i got him very very drunk and his story kept cracking and then eventually he's like look i'm selling guns for the taliban you know we're smuggling them across the country they're all russian arms we're uh, right now and then yeah, he was lovely after that. We ended up you know, introducing a bunch of other people <laughs> and, and you know, pretty much took me through the whole Taliban arms smuggling operation, which was absolutely insane. Uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah, right. Yeah. Any, 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 any insider tips? Um, <laughs> it's a lot, che- it, it's a lot cheaper than I thought it would be. Uh, <laughs> to, buy, to, buy, to buy a gun? <laughs> to buy surface-to-air missiles. Um, but yeah. No, is, that, it kind of, is it kind of like a vodka deal? Like, you know, like you get one for $2, but if you want to buy a whole rack, it's actually way cheaper. Surprisingly, <laughs> it kind of is. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's not the first time I ended up meeting with these, these arms dealers in, um, you, you know, this breakaway Soviet Republic where we visited. Uh, and I, you know, I was asking the guy. He's like, oh, you know, what have you got? He goes, well, you have a creative collection of clubs, uh, three uh, thirty thirty dollars. Went oh, okay. Well, that's that's not bad. You know, what else? He goes like, um, I have motor shells. I went okay. Well, he's like, well, you know, how big? He's like, uh, keep it under one hundred twenty millimeter. I don't have to tell the Russians. I went okay. <laughs> that's insane. But what else? What about a nuke? Have you got a nuclear weapon? He goes, oh my god. Yes. Uh, it would take about three weeks, uh, but you bring car in, I put him back up car, and you can drive out of country. It's no problem. Just uh, don't tell the people where you got it from. Um, I take a, I take a paper. <laughs> and I asked my local, like my contact in the government there, and he's like, yeah, no, no, we can we can get you a nuke. That's fine. I'm like, oh my god. Um, so you can actually buy a nuclear weapon. Yes, yes. If you if you go to the right places and you, you pay the right people with cigarettes, then yes. That seems terrifying. I feel like I kind of wish I didn't know that information. <laughs> <laughs> Neither did I. I was like kind of asking as like a please tell me no. And he's like, no, 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 you yeah. no problem. Wow. And then you're in that position now when you see him, you're like, oh, fuck, did I talk to that guy about buying a nuke last night? I can't remember. <laughs> Shit, he keeps looking at me. Oh, what have I committed to? <laughs> Mr. Hillier, there's a briefcase at the hotel reception for you. Oh, shit. <laughs> um, don't open it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't go near it. My hair, my hair stands on end. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, so the Taliban are uh, actually, you know, uh, pretty fun guys after a few drinks. <laughs> Um, but yeah, yeah, when he's like, oh, I'll come to Australia, visit you. I went, oh, no, I don't think you should. <laughs> I reckon you might have a hard time getting in. Yeah. Uh, so, so what do you do? I make videos. Yeah. What sort of videos, man? Uh, there's usually one guy. He's in an orange jumpsuit. Yep. It, it's a, it really doesn't really end well for that person. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. If I wasn't on an Australian list at, before this, I definitely am now. But yeah, that was, uh, yeah. that was terrifying. All right. So... 
Uh, I'm really interested to hear about the the Russian mafia in Beijing. Oh, so that that was a, a very weird story. I, I ended up um, it wasn't even in Beijing having this big night out, and we ended up going out and playing lies dice with all these uh, all these locals. Uh, and then you know we were hanging out with a bunch of Somalian guys and, and partying, and, and I was quite I had a few quite a few to drink. And we're walking down, and we're like, "Oh, let's get something to eat." You know, it's it's two a.m. or whatever it was. And then I end up bumping into this guy by accident, this big sort of burly guy with his, you know, two other big burly guys and some girls. And he said, "Izvinitye," which is Russian for "I'm sorry." And I went, "Izvinitye," Skoroborovsky. You know, you like you speak Russian. Uh, and we end up chatting in Russian for a bit. And he asked me why I'm here, and he's like, "Oh, you know, come to a party. I'm having a party in this this club. You should come." I went, "Yeah, sure, man." I spoke to my guys and went. Look, this guy's having a party. Let's just, you know, let's check it out. So we go to this club with the with these Russian guys and these girls, and then they get waved through security. I was like, huh, that's weird. Chinese clubs usually don't do that. And then usually there's coat checks and they go through your pockets, but nothing, no checks, no nothing. Even when the uh, metal detectors went off, they still let us through. I went, oh, that's weird, but I didn't think anything of it at the time. And then we got to this uh, this booth that was already laid out with these other Russian guys, and it went, oh, that's weird. And then it clicked. I was like, oh, okay. I think I might be in trouble here, <laughs> but sure. Let's just play along. And then effectively they all sat down and they started chatting and there's lots of drinks. Uh, and then effectively they start talking about some selling of stuff. And when you know, well, that's fine. But they love playing this game with, with newbies. What they'll do is they'll pull a gun out um, and then point it at you and see how you react. If you freak out, then they go... You know, they know you're not supposed to be there and, and they'll, they'll mess with you for the rest of the night. But obviously, the, the correct response and how I played at the time was to just look at them and go, what are you doing? I'm here to drink. Put it away. No one wants to get hurt here. Come on, bud. Um, wow. You have to look. That sounds like a terrible game. <laughs> I would lose that game for sure. <laughs> it's like Russian roulette. It's like legit. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. And they'll just pull it out. Like, it's in a, a very crowded club, but they own the club effectively, so they can do what they want. Um, but yeah, effectively they'll, they'll happily buy you drinks and then talk through, you know, selling whatever you want and they'll go through it all and they'll, you know, give you a business card you can call for any questions or anything you might need. Um, but yeah, they were, they were pretty interesting guys. Uh, they were moving a lot of nonsense through Beijing, but yeah, it was just a complete accident. I bumped into him and then just, he spoke Russian and I spoke Russian and we, we both, you know, I knew of his hometown and it was, it was a whole thing. Um, but I got very lucky on that one uh, that I kind of had already heard the rumor of if they pull a gun, you know, act confident and they'll let you go. Because as soon as... If so what happened... So what... Yeah, so what happens if you if you freak out? They just figure you you don't know the game. You're not supposed to be there. Pretty much. If you freak... Because obviously at that point, they're, they're already starting to, you know, between the two of them, they're talking deals and, and all sorts of stuff they need to do. Um, you know, you know, if you are freaking out, they're going to imagine that you're the kind of guy who would go to the police and panic after that. Whereas if you're the mm-hmm. kind of guy who can have a gun pulled on them and say, no, 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 what are you doing? Go away. They know that, okay, well, this guy probably means business. He's, not, you know, he might tell the story, but he's not going to go through the specifics or call the police on us or let the Beijing authorities know. It's a bit of a gangster move to be sitting in a club with a bunch of strangers <laughs> and just have someone pull a gun on you and go... What's up, man? What's a, what sort of guns out? You want some horse milk? You want a quick one? <laughs> <laughs> so you, you speak Russian? Yes. Uh, yes. My Russian, though, is, you know, it's fairly, it's it's all right when I'm sober, but my Russian gets worse and worse as I drink. It goes from, you know, uh, to like, when I get my, my, my filthy Australian accent comes through much, much uh, deeper once after a few drinks. 
I usually find my Spanish, we're, we're pretty decent Spanish speakers. I usually find it gets a lot better the drunker I get. Maybe it's just more confident. We think it gets better. Uh, actually, we, that's true. We, we cannot confirm that. <laughs> yeah, I'm like there and the guys look at me going, oh, no, you're no tiendo. <laughs> but, who, but who knows? So how'd you pick up Russian? I actually did it with audiobooks. Um, you know, we, mm. well, the first time I went to Russia, we had, me and my, uh, my best friend, kind of, we got really, really, uh, we had a big, big night uh, and then in a booking uh, tickets to go to Moscow of all places and we woke up in the morning with these like confirmation of tickets to Moscow and went oh one of us should probably learn Russian uh, and then it kind of <laughs> started there and I spent a lot of time in the ex-Soviet country since um, but Russian's this terrifyingly weird language uh, you know it, if the biggest thing I can explain to people because I speak a bit of German as well but in English you'd say don't be mad he doesn't know what he's doing in German you'd say be not mad for he knows not what he does and in Russian you say be towards you not mad, him to not knowing towards him. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes, that sounds difficult. Um, yeah. And then obviously when, once I drink, then my Russian starts coming back. So I, I, when you're talking about this, this toast in Kazakhstan, I was in this, this bar there and meeting with having some local friends and then bumped into this, this doctor. And Central Asian cigarettes are god-awful. Um, so whenever I travel, I usually have a, packet, a couple of packets of Australians with me. And you can offer them because effectively you offer one or two cigarettes and you get free drinks for the rest of the night. So offer this doctor a cigarette and he goes, oh, you should come come hang at my table, you know, bring your friends. I went, yep, sounds good. Let's do that. And we all got very merry. And towards the end of the night, he goes, oh, well, let's do, do toasts and gets up and gives this big, you know, really nice toast about, you know, have the friendship and, and mateship and a good night. And he's like, oh, the Australian, Australian, you should give, give a toast. I went, oh, okay. Well, I'm very drunk, but sure. And then I got in up in English or no in Russian because um, oh, only, only about a third of the table spoke English. Um, and I went okay, and my toast would roughly translate to something like Kazakhstan and Australia are beautiful countries. Kazakhstan and Australia are friends. We both sell uranium. It's pretty rad. <laughs> um, it was probably the worst toast I've ever done in my life. But they they I still remember them laughing at me and still. Even the table next to me, like, we both sell uranium. It's <laughs> <laughs> a real talking point at the table. Oh, of course. You know, we're all there on, on uh, uranium deals here. That's a beautiful <laughs> toast. Heartfelt. I know. It, com- it comes from the heart and also from northwestern Australia. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's a common tie between all these stories, and that is going out for drinks. Yes. And I feel, I feel like I want to go drinking with you because we would end up with some sort of insane story by the end of the night. Yeah. Well, that's, it's an interesting thing. You know, obviously, bars are, you know, if you go, to a, you go to a really odd country, in the bar, there's usually only locals. And if you're not local, then you're either, you know, a weird tourist who's got a bunch of stories or you are an arms dealer or you're working for the government or, you know, you're there for a reason and usually if you're a westerner in a bar like that there's some reason you're there so there's always interesting people you meet in these places uh and being an australian i can usually hold my liquor a little bit better than most which uh often helps you guys tend to do that we, well we've been trained from a young age to really go hard <laughs> it sounds like a scene out of shantaram or something like that mm. it's been a while since i read that book but it's like isn't that the whole thing is like in the bar and there's all the dodgy, like over there's the guy who deals the gems, over there's the guy who deals the guns and it's just hmm. like those weird expat bars and then you get all the weird locals in there doing dodgy, shady stuff as well. Oh, always. Um, and drinks are usually incredibly cheap as well. Um, but obviously, I, I you know do reporting and stuff during the day, but 
is usually a pretty good way to meet locals or or even just sort of make contacts with you know you ask a local hey where you know where do all the arms dealers hang out it's like oh well most of them will hang out at this <laughs> bar and you go sweet cool well, i'll go hang out at that bar and bump into someone and then you know it'll progress from there so instead of like, hey, where do the chicks hang out? You're like, hey, where does, where's the Taliban hang out? And, <laughs> I'm going to drink I mean, there. I mean, I'll take a girl as well, but like, you know, generally, you know, where's the arms dealers hang out? You know, like, where's that guy who sells a nuclear weapon? I've got a couple of cigarettes that he might be interested in. <laughs> <laughs> the, poor, the worst thing is my poor girlfriend quite often comes with me. Um, and this poor woman will be, you know, have, sit at a, at, a, you know, at a bar or a table or having dinner or something. And chatting, you know, like, oh, what do you do? It's like, uh, I'm a journalist. I just came out of the ISIS territories. And my girlfriend goes, up. Oh, there we go for the rest of the night. <laughs> um, Has she ever had a gun pulled on her? No. In Uzbekistan, we definitely had uh, a kind of a right, uh, armed guard kind of point, uh, his little, uh, you know, Kalashnikov knockoff at us. Um, that was fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but generally, she's got away pretty easy. Um, she was with me when the artillery was going off in Kyrgyzstan, that poor woman. Yeah. Um, that is pretty scary. It was, it was. Does she know the deal? Does she know what to do if the Russian mafia pull a gun on her? She does, she, actually. We've, we've gone through <laughs> that. But, you know, she's, she's traveled enough now that she gets, you know, all the little things. You know, if, you know, we have signals of, okay, this is about to get hairy. We need to go now. But also, you know, she's, you know, she's uh, a psychologist as well. So she quite often, as soon as we get the, you know, the, government agent here to check up on us you know she can usually pick him as well you're like hello i'm a friend here to have drink what do you do for a living why are you here so okay i don't <laughs> think you're just a patron okay cool um and yeah so that and that happens more often than you'd think yeah well good for her i'm sure she stands her ground pretty well yeah, yeah. absolute champ about she'd it have to tra- tra- traveling with you <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's uh, and, uh yeah, it's the uh, the fun time friends show uh, for when I travel with just making meeting people around the world and going yeah let's go on a big big adventure and end up at some god awful place. Yeah, any I mean obviously everybody at the moment's not really traveling at the moment, but did you have any sort of adventures on the horizon that you're looking at doing or any sort of any stories or things like that you want to cover? Yeah, yeah, we we're just looking into the logistics of doing sort of Somalia. Eritrea, which Eritrea is kind of like the North Korea of Africa. They're this really locked in society. Uh, Ethiopia, uh, Egypt, and then I've got a friend who can get me in to some interesting places in uh, Algeria or in the deserts of Algeria. There's some stuff I'm going on there that'll, you know, I don't want to break the story yet, but yeah, it'd be a big one when we get out there. Exciting yeah. stuff. Is there anywhere you wouldn't go? I mean, I've 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 had offers to go do the Democratic Republic of Congo. Uh, but that's mm-hmm. it's too hairy even for me. Um, that's okay. pretty much where I draw the line. So you do have a limit at some point. <laughs> at, at some point, uh, I do have a limit. Uh, obviously, my friends who work the DRC and the, just the stories they tell me just make me go, "Nah, that's that's not fun." Um, yeah, yeah. Generally, there's uh, there's most places I will pretty happily go. Uh, DRC, Central African Republic. That's probably about the only two I would I would avoid. Would you say your closest near-death experience was the machine guns coming at you when you were horseback riding then? Yeah, that was pretty pretty hairy at the time. Yeah. Um, obviously, there's you know just average Russian driving, which is usually pretty close to death as well. Um, <laughs> I was sitting in a Russian cab and listening to them. Uh, you know, it was like, oh, no, the bus station's that way. And him doing a handbrake turn on this Russian highway. Um, oh, my God. That's, you know, they're just all crazy drivers over there. Uh, but yeah. yeah, there's always always a bit of that. 
Mate, that is uh, insane. There's, there's still like another half a dozen stories that we absolutely would be love to jump into, but I feel like the next guest is going to have a hard time topping you. So <laughs> we, might e- we might even have to have you, ha- have you back on like at a later stage. No, we'd always be happy to come on. Yeah, I mean, some crazy stories here. I mean, we've got almost drove off a cliff, skied into a minefield, froze to death. I mean, <laughs> there's definitely some things to look forward to. We'll have to hit you up. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so thanks a lot for, for jumping on and telling us. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about your podcast and, and how people can find you and a little about that? Because it's, it's super interesting stuff. Yeah, so I, I run the Redline podcast. So what we do is we do one big story every two weeks. So whether it be South Sudan, the Russian expansion into the Arctic, yeah, the Libyan civil war, but we have three big experts come on the show, and that's kind of the big thing. You know, our experts are, you know, we've had the White House, Harvard, Cambridge, Oxford, the CIA, MI6. Uh, you know, the actual White House. We've had people inside the White House come on the show and. You know, the actual ambassadors, you know, the people making the decisions have come on the show and they've talked about why they made those decisions and how, uh, you know, how it's affecting the world, their opinions on how to solve the crises. Um, you know, it's it's the biggest experts talking about what's going on in the world and, you know, how, you know, the outcome of the Libyan civil war will shape European politics for the next six months. Uh, and we do a big deep dive every two weeks. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, there's some super interesting topics here, even like some local stuff to Australia, like the housing crisis in Australia and uh, civil war in Sudan and things like that. But uh, yeah, super interesting. And obviously, it uh, sounds like you've got a lot of experience in the field and uh, with the connections that you're talking to. So definitely go and check out the Redline podcast. And we just want to thank you once again for being our first Voyager on the Voyager chat. Uh, like I said, it's going to be a hard act to follow for some people. So we're going to have to find, Definitely. Definitely have to find some people who have got some, some good stories to follow after this. And we'll have to have a chat with you at some stage about finishing off some of those stories. Well, but, ho- uh, hopefully, hopefully your next guest won't come across as a terrifying alcoholic. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, we've had some wild nights drinking, so we definitely cannot judge. We haven't had any guns pulled on us yet, but that's a bucket list, my new bucket list item now. Yeah, definitely. Find some Russian mafia and play it super cool. Play it cool. Now we know what to do. And now yeah. our, our voyagers know what to do. So thank you for the education. That's the key travel takeaway. If anyone ever pulls a gun on you, just be like, what are you going to do, man? Yeah, this is, this is, we're going to get a job at Flat Center or at a flat travel agent. We'll just That's what we'll take people through. If they pull a gun, yeah. don't worry about it. You'll be fine, mate. Keep going. <laughs> Yeah, that's the real handbook that Australians need. Exactly. <laughs> well, thank you so much again, Michael, for joining our very first voyage to chat. And uh, all the best with everything. I mean, all the best with getting back out there on the road. We can't wait to hear what you're up to next. And uh, yeah, here's some more stories. Love to be there. Thanks so much for having me. Cheers. Thanks a lot, mate. Thanks. Cheers. We hope you guys enjoyed our very first Voyager chat, the first of many. We have a lot of awesome travelers with insane stories lined up. And if you are enjoying the podcast, hey, why not throw a little support our way? You can jump on and become a patron of the Not So Bon Voyage podcast by going to patreon.com slash notsobonvoyage, or you can follow the link in the episode description, and there you will find how you can get some extra special bonuses by helping support our show and helping us stay on the air. There's bonus content, there's extra episodes, there's video, there's lots of great things, and you get to help support our show. So that's patreon.com slash notsobonvoyage if you want to help check us out and support us. Otherwise, just keep listening. Yeah, and we will catch you on the flip side. Peace. Peace.